Hello, everyone, and welcome to the third episode of the second season of Jesus Stories. This is the podcast which tells the story of Jesus' life and teaching in an informal, informative, and interesting way. Season two is a retelling of key events in Jesus' life and teaching. We're not necessarily retelling in chronological order, but what we've done so far is we've listened to two conversations that Jesus has had, one with a Pharisee and the other with a woman with whom Jesus was not supposed to be speaking. Now we're going to turn our attention to Jesus choosing of his apostles and the beginning of the teaching that was the core of Jesus' message to us, which we call the Sermon on the Mount. Now, I'm already planning for season three. This will feature stories of meeting Jesus. It'll feature your stories of meeting Jesus. I'm lining up interviews with people who have met and been changed by their meeting with Jesus. I'm talking about people whose lives have been forever altered by Jesus. So what about you? Are you one of those people? How has Jesus changed you? Would you like to share your story with us or with the rest of the world? I can tell your story or perhaps you can tell your story, whichever is most comfortable for you. But you must first let me know of your story. So use the Talk to Us tab on our menu at the Jesus Stories website. That's jesusstories.info, jesusstories.info. Once I get your message, I'll be in touch to make arrangements to tell your Jesus story to the rest of the world. We make these Jesus stories available to you free of charge because of the support of those who can afford to do so. So what about you? Are you willing to help us keep this podcast going? It's really very easy. You just visit my website, jesusstories.info. That's jesusstories.info. Click on the Support This Podcast tab. You'll find ways to support us financially, whether it's a one-time contribution or a small ongoing monthly contribution. Either way, any help is appreciated, and it will go to reach the over 2,000 listeners per month from all around the globe who hear this podcast. So won't you help? Just visit that website, jesusstories.info, that's jesusstories.info, and click on the Support This Podcast tab to find out how. Other than praying for us, one of the best ways to support us is through word-of-mouth advertising. Tell your friends. Tell people that you're listening to this podcast. Invite them to listen to. You can also rate and review us on your podcast player, and we appreciate whatever you're willing to do. It's been a tough and exhausting time for Jesus and his disciples during our last couple of podcast episodes. Jesus has been teaching in Jerusalem during a festival, and then he's been teaching in the synagogue. He's healed several men, some of whom may have been plants by the Pharisees and the religious leaders, and he's healed them on the Sabbath day. That has created much friction between Jesus and these leaders. 
But when he tries to get away, he is followed by the crowd, maybe more like a mob, of people. People from all over the region, from miles and miles away. So he continues to heal and drive demons out of people. Then Luke tells us that Jesus went up on a mountainside to pray. He stays all night long in prayer with God. At daybreak, he calls his disciples to him. Now, we have no idea how many people were following Jesus at this time. It may have been a few dozen or even a few hundred. We're just not told. But we are told that Jesus chooses 12 men to be apostles. And then Luke names them for us. First, we have Simon, who Jesus would later call Peter. We met him in episode 8 when he loaned his boat to Jesus for teaching purposes. Jesus then rewards him with a massive catch. Andrew, who is Peter's brother or Simon's brother. James and John, these are the fishermen sons of Zebedee that we met in episode 8 along with Simon. Philip, Bartholomew, Matthew. Matthew we met before, he was collecting taxes by the road in episode 9. And then Thomas, James, yes, another James, this one known as the son of Alphaeus. Simon, Simon is a zealot. He's one who advocated the violent overthrow of the Roman government. Judas, and here Judas is labeled as the son of James. This is not the Judas who is a betrayer of Jesus. That's Judas Iscariot who is the betrayer, and he is one of the apostles too. So what is so special about these guys? They were labeled apostles, and that term is a direct transliteration from the Greek word apostolos. That word means to send off. In other words, an apostle is a messenger. This is also a special appointment from Jehovah God through Jesus Christ. Apostles were among the foundations of the church, and I'm talking about the universal church, not any one denomination. That's according to Paul's letter to the church in Ephesus. And one of the qualifications for this appointment is that they have seen the resurrected Jesus. We'll talk about resurrection in a future episode, but for our purposes today, an apostle is one who has seen Jesus after he has been raised from the dead, and he has been sent off to tell of that story. All of these men, except for Judas Iscariot, could and would make this claim. There will be a couple of others added to this list, but for now, these men are the apostles appointed directly by Jesus while he lived physically on the earth. With the exception of Judas Iscariot and John, all of these men would be executed for telling this story. Luke tells us that Jesus and his apostles go down the mountain and stand on a level place. They are surrounded by followers, people from all over Judea and from Jerusalem and from as far north as the seacoasts of Tyre and Sidon. We know why they were there, don't we? Sure, they wanted to hear Jesus teach and they wanted to be healed and have demons exercised. Then the scriptures, Luke this time, tells us, quote, everyone tried to touch him because healing power went out from him, and he healed everyone. This is one of those interesting statements of exaggeration. If you have a crowd, not everyone is going to be able to touch Jesus, but they can try, which is what 
Luke is telling us. They are reaching out to receive the healing that only Jesus can offer to them. And Jesus heals. So we have three levels of listeners to Jesus in this setting. We have those 12 men who have been appointed as apostles. We have the disciples, those who will claim to be followers of this rabbi. And we have the rest of the crowd, the curious and the critical. This will describe almost any crowd who is trailing after Jesus for the rest of his earthly life. The scriptures will next quote extensively from a sermon which Jesus probably gave multiple times in his life. Luke tells us that Jesus is delivering this teaching from a level area, while Matthew tells us that it was delivered from a mountainside. It's basically the same sermon in both accounts. It's delivered from multiple locations to various crowds, and from the Matthew telling, which is the most complete and detailed version of the teaching, we know this as the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus opens his Sermon on the Mount with what are commonly called the Beatitudes. Many people have read the Beatitudes as a source of comfort for some troubled times, but when you break them down, they are really a challenge for us to consider our lives and ask, are we being who and what Jehovah God wants us to be? The same would be true for the first century crowds listening to Jesus as he outlines these blessings. He starts each of the Beatitudes with the word, blessed. Some translations use the word happy. That's appropriate as well. But when you read some of the Beatitudes, you might wonder, how is this happy? Happy are those who mourn? Happy are those who are persecuted? What does this even mean? It seems contradictory. You remember several episodes back when we talked about how Jesus was speaking in spiritual terms while we hear in earthly or worldly terms? This is the same situation. Jesus is using spiritual language, while many times our ears hear earthly words. So we're going to go through these Beatitudes and listen with our spiritual ears. By the way, some of this listening may sound like I'm going beyond my mandate to just tell the story, but I think it's important to hear these blessings as Jesus was trying to deliver them. Jesus begins with these words. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. This is the common translation of this verse. I have a preference for another rendering. God blesses those who are poor and realize their need for him, for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. In spiritual language, Jesus is talking about people who realize their need for Jesus and his ministry. These are people who realize that they have nothing else to fall back upon. Their need is so overwhelming that it is for Jesus and him alone, and that need can only be filled with the kingdom of heaven. Then he goes on, God blesses those who mourn, for they will be comforted. This one sounds and is comforting, isn't it? There are times when we need comforting, but in spiritual terms, what is Jesus talking about? There can be mourning for one's own spiritual condition, or for the condition of the world around you. The sin may tear at your heart, but Jesus' grace comforts your soul. Jesus continues, God blesses those who are humble, for they will inherit the whole earth. We've usually heard this one as, blessed are the meek. 
That's a concept that still sounds foreign to our way of thinking. But Jesus promises those that are willing to submit to Jehovah God in his grace will own and live in the kingdom. Then he goes on. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Jesus is using the language of poverty, being hungry and thirsty for food and drink and not being able to get it. Imagine being that hungry for righteousness. What is that, you ask? The Greek word for righteousness takes in the idea of being in line with the standards that Jehovah God has set. Jesus will talk about those standards later in this sermon. These would be the standards which needed to be met personally and from this, a desire for Jehovah's standards to be met in society at large. So Jesus is offering blessings to those who desire to be totally subservient to Jehovah God, those who recognize their need for the Savior, who mourn for that relationship, who humbly submit to Jehovah, and finally hunger so for their behaviors to reflect that relationship. In each case, Jesus promises that their need, their comfort, their inheritance will be realized. These are all internal needs that Jesus is promising to fill. So then he shifts to actions. God blesses those who are merciful, for they will be shown mercy. In the previous blessings, Jehovah is showing his mercy to us. Now it is up to us to share that mercy. Mercy is the quality of being oriented toward the needs of others more than oneself. And when we are others-oriented, we are shown mercy in return. Jesus continues, God blesses those whose hearts are pure, for they will see God. This had to be a startling statement for a first-century Jew. Their ancestors refused a face-to-face with God at Mount Sinai, but a pure heart— A heart that is clean will reject distracting or corrupting influences which would interfere with one's service in the kingdom. In that mindset, one can see God and his presence here on earth now. Jesus goes on, dealing with actions. God blesses those who work for peace, for they will be called the children of God. What a powerful statement. Those who work for peace or peacemakers seek the true peace of God among people. Their lives are given to working for promoting the kingdom of God, reconciling adversaries, quenching hatred, uniting those who are divided, promoting true understanding and spiritual love. And they do this because they know what true peace is. That's a quote from one commentator. Their reputation shows their relationship with Jehovah and with Jesus. Then Jesus goes to what is probably the hardest to comprehend of all the Beatitudes. God blesses those who are persecuted for doing right, for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. Then he goes on to explain, when people make fun of you, lie about you, say evil things about you because you are following Jesus, then he says, be happy about it. (laughs) That's a hard teaching. So let's review. You're blessed or happy when your humility and submission to Jehovah God prompts you to seek him with all your heart, to show people mercy, remain pure in the face of culture, 
and seek the peace of Jehovah. You're blessed or happy when this behavior causes the world to hate you and persecute you. This is a totally different or upside-down view of the world, isn't it? But this is a description of what it means to live in the kingdom of God. I wonder how many people walked away after hearing this description. After all, this is not easy, and it is unlike any other kingdom on this earth. These Jesus stories come to you because of your support, both prayerfully and from your pocketbook. We appreciate that support. Maybe you're not a supporter yet. Would you carefully and prayerfully consider joining this ministry? Just go to JesusStories.info, click on the Support This Podcast tab in the menu. Any amount is gratefully appreciated. If you become a monthly donor, I have some extras for you. Jesus Stories extras, that is. Check them out on the website at JesusStories.info. Under the Support This Podcast tab, click on Become a Patron. Or go and visit directly at patreon.com slash Jesus Stories. We've got a description of what it's like in the kingdom of God. What happens spiritually when we're not living in the kingdom of God? Jesus will give us a set of woes next time, as well as instruction about how to live in this kingdom when we pick up next time with more from the Sermon on the Mount. Join us in two weeks for the next Jesus Stories.